I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer. And as I always like to say, I am excited about this one, but this one's a little more closer to the vest, if you will. I have Carson Cook, the founder of Lattice with me today. Carson, how are you? Doing great. How are you, David? I'm doing great. Why this is a little bit more special, as you will now be hearing from us on this, with the launch of our new venture fund, Endeavor, Carson and his team at Lattice are our second investment in the fund, and we're really excited about what they're doing there at Lattice, and we're going to find out why. But before we get too much into what Lattice is, and we'll talk all about the things that you're doing there in terms of bringing the world of digital assets into the next frontier of efficiencies, Carson, if you could, what we'd like to do on the show is before we get too far into a company or a project, we'd like to find out from the founder what they did before. What was the inspiration we're also alums from the same university, which is always fantastic. Um, but what was the inspiration here? How did you come about it? And then we'll talk, obviously, about what Lattice is and all the offerings there. Excellent. Uh, so quick little background on myself. Uh, came up uh, sort of on the technology side of things. I did a PhD in physics, master's in electrical engineering. I was at the UW Met, uh, Medicine, University of Wisconsin. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Go Badgers. Um and uh, while, while I was there, I sort of got into the trading wor- world part-time while I was working on my PhD. Um, was, was very excited to get into that space. Ultimately, ended up taking a offer from McKinsey uh, to sort of learn the business side of things. Uh, so joined McKinsey in Chicago, spent most of my time in New York and San Francisco in banking, financial services, fintech, wealth management. Uh, and that sort of gave me a window into uh, the institutional side uh, of things uh, in the financial world, I saw what things worked really well, what things didn't work so well, uh, and that sort of infer- informed my ultimate uh, uh, foray into blockchain and, and crypto. Um, while I was at McKinsey, I started looking closely at the segmentation of uh, uh, exchanges uh, and marketplaces across crypto, and I realized that what I had seen in my uh, days in FX trading, uh, which I did part-time during my PhD, uh, were there in spades in crypto. Uh, so January 2018, uh, left McKinsey to found Fractal. Uh, Fractal was a, re- a relatively small um, prop trading shop, which grew into a market maker, still active today. Um, first focused on market making across different centralized exchanges and ultimately got into DeFi, into these various uh, AMMs uh, and, and different order book models that are on chain as well. Uh, really, it was out of the signal that I was seeing um, uh, for inefficiencies in the space that Lattice was born. So in uh, kind of late 2018, early 2019 timeframe, I was considering launching a fund uh, based on the, the market making strategies that we'd built out. Uh, and what I realized was, first and foremost, it was hard to even figure out um, uh, how to have those LP funds in a qualified custodian at the time. At that point, that was still a bit of a nebulous concept. Um, but importantly, even if I did uh, find a qualified custodian where I could get comfortable, 
uh, with investor capital, uh, withholding investor capital at, I couldn't really run any of my strategies because the entire ecosystem was operating as basically a pre-funded spot market, meaning I had to have the capital over at the exchanges, at the Coinbase and Binance's uh, of the world in order to uh, do any of my strategies. Um, and this really caused it. One, this was surprising to me. Um, I sort of took took for granted that there'd be a prime brokerage uh, or prime services and clearing model that you'd be might be used to from traditional finance. That's right. That really just didn't exist here, and that was how Lattice was born. Yep, you led me right down to that. So, whereas in the equity markets and the traditional markets, if you will, you have prime brokers, you have this ability to see both the supply and demand of an asset, you have the liquidity there. In digital assets, it has been fairly patchwork. You have market makers, you have OTCs, you have other you know instruments out there. You have exchanges, obviously, but it's not harmonious. There isn't a place where a trader or an asset manager can basically find all of that liquidity. Or if it's you know you're doing you know borrowing and lending, um, you can't really see or get a sense of what the rates are from a kind of overview. And so this is one of the things that we were really intrigued about is that Lattice is really building a superior clearing and lending solution for the asset class. And so if you could, you started to talk about the origination behind that. What is Lattice today? There are two different parts to it. There's the institutional platform, and then there is one that's more retail-based called Membrane. If we can talk about both of those at a high level, and then we'll dig into, obviously, the, the efficiencies and the tooling around there. But let's talk about Lattice from this divergence between institutional and retail, and what are those doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I think you, you kind of hit it on the head with when, when I saw saw this major issue of lack of uh, prime brokerage and uh, and a clearing model really in this space. I, I realized this needed to be built. This was how Lattice was born. At its core, Lattice is a clearing, netting, and settlement engine, um, but it's the things you can sort of wrap around that or the services you can enable on top of that uh, where things get really interesting uh, to those that are, might be listening in that aren't super familiar with uh, with how clearing works. So on top of this engine, we have essentially built a cross-chain OTC trading and bespoke lending platform. And the goal is to make um, sort of this network of uh, activity of where you hold your funds across custodians, where you execute trades and efficiencies between all of those really unlikely capital efficiency. And we want to bring this to users in as simple a manner as DeFi, where they can just access it in their browser. So as you mentioned, David, there's really two different products that we've built on top of this engine. Um, one is called Lattice or Lattice Institutional that's focused on institutions. Um, a second is membrane, um, which is more retail or really more um, sort of uh, desk and individual focused where they are comfortable um, using self-custody and accessing DeFi. And I'll explain a little more on both of these. Um, on the lattice side, um, this is uh, focused on institutional investors and traders that would tend to access the markets like they're used to in traditional finance, that is through a third party custodian. So think, for example, uh, I hold my funds at BitGo or at a Coinbase custody. Uh, if you hold your funds there, you can then trade and lend uh, through Lattice. And then uh, after executing throughout the day um, with a delayed settlement approach here, you can then settle with your counterparties that might be at different uh, custodians altogether. Uh, membrane, on the other hand, Membrane is for, again, these desks and individuals that are using some amount of self-custody. So for example, wallets like Ledger, and in the future, we're going to be adding Fireblocks, MetaMask uh, support, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, 
In this case, they can access membrane, um, which is a different wrapping, uh, different sort of wrapper product around our core engine. They can access this directly in their browser, um, trade and lend all day with their counterparties. And then later when they're ready to settle, um, they're going to sign using uh, their ledger or other wallet that they connect directly uh, into that platform. And so I always like analogies and I always give analogies and metaphors to those that are listening here because some of these things are complex. I always thought when I saw this initially that it kind of harked back to the days of using a Bloomberg terminal where you would have a request for a quote. If anyone has used a Bloomberg terminal before, you can go on there. And this is one of the things that Michael Bloomberg kind of brought to the bond market that was so special is that you could have all of your your sell side, your supply, if you will, effectively on a platform where you can say, okay, I want to potentially do a USD yen trade. And all of a sudden, within seconds, all of your different sell side counterparts, whether that's Goldman, Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, whoever it may be, would instantaneously show their best bid and ask on your platform. And then automatically you can execute that and then it would be done. In digital assets, however, as we alluded to, that does not exist. It is a patchwork system where you have to go to discords, you have to go to telegrams, you have to call people at OTCs. Um, it's not as coordinated yet. Do you agree with that analogy? Yeah, uh, completely. I think that uh, that's, a, that's a good way to map this back to, um, to something that people would be used to from traditional finance. And I think there really just is none of this... Um, interconnectivity and sort of a one-stop shop uh, where you can see um, rates, prices, et cetera, uh, like, like Bloomberg Terminal. And that's really a good, uh, a good analogy of where, where this will go as it continues to evolve and gets more adoption. Now, talk about price discovery. This has been an area of contention. You alluded to custo- uh, the custody you know, kind of contention point over the last few years for institutional investors. Price discovery was also one of those two. Talk to us about what Lattice can do in terms of helping with price discovery and, you know, getting to that more efficiencies in terms of lending rates. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So one of the things that we realized after we had built the core clearing and netting uh, engine that is Lattice was we we started and we built trading. It was sort of the first uh, obvious thing to layer on top. If you take a step back, a clearing engine only needs to see uh, sort of ingest transactions and then map those into credits and debits between counterparties in the underlying assets, and then do all the magic of the algorithms to figure out the most efficient way to move funds around, or really to issue instructions that will then move funds around. Um, What we quickly realized then was, okay, trading made sense to get started, but the lending space, um, for those on the call that are are familiar with the lending uh, space within digital assets or within crypto, is completely the Wild West. Um, There's starting to be fairly good price discovery, not compared to uh, traditional markets, but there's fairly good price discovery in the trading markets, but the lending markets, um, uh, sort of all bets are off in terms of uh, what the rate is in any given point in time. And, and even the big lending desks right now, uh, there's not a lot of crosstalk generally between them on rates. And so it's just very inefficient. There's there's very little rate, rate discovery. Once we built lending on top of this, we realized that even as a first step, there was a huge opportunity just to sort of aggregate rates. So if I'm sitting and I'm say, uh, BitGo Prime, and I'm talking to Genesis, both of which will lend. Um, those two uh, participants, if it's the end of the day and they need to move some inventory between each other, they don't really want to share a rate because these are potentially, uh, can be seen as a competitor, right? So you don't really want to mm-hmm. tip your hat on what your lead borrow rates are. Um, however, 
uh, with the Lattice platform, we are not acting as one of the primes here. We are not one of one of the participants that's lending or borrowing. We are strictly a platform. So we offer the ability to enter um, lend and borrow rates that we can aggregate, average into sort of daily uh, rates per each asset. And then over time, we're going to build those actually into curves. So you can kind of think of this as like we're, we're trying to get into rate discovery and sort of the LIBOR of uh, crypto lending rates. Um, ultimately, the, the best uh, rate discovery is just going to be the, the sort of ticker take tape that will be going across our site. So as uh, uh, loans are being made through the system, um, you'll be able to see in an anonymized fashion um, sort of what assets are being lent and at, at which uh, rates. And that will be the uh, sort of pinnacle of rate discovery within the system. Basically, what Carson just said is that they have enabled a way to have capital efficiency in digital assets. That's basically the way that I just, I just think of it. It's just capital efficiencies. And right now, Correct. that is just not what we have. Um, talk to us about the robustness of the counterparties out there in terms of market makers, OTCs, just so people can get an understanding that this asset class has matured. Just talk to us about kind of being the amount that there are. I don't know if you obviously have an idea in terms of you know, volumes on a weekly or monthly basis, but just give the people a sense, if you could, about the kind of the maturity and the robustness of the counterparty side of things right now. Yeah. So uh, this is an interesting one because on the uh, anyone can sort of go to CoinMarketCap, go to CoinGecko and can see things on the various exchanges, um, both centralized exchanges like Coinbase and Binance, and then also on-chain uh, uh, exchanges or AMMs like Uniswap and SushiSwap, a lot harder um, if you're not sort of in the game as an active active desk, knowing mm-hmm. exactly what the volume uh, is in OTC. And of course, that that applies to pretty much all markets. Uh, that said, directionally, um, sort of the, um, the I think the, the the fairly well accepted answer is that OTC is kind of on the order of all of this other activity. So the OTC uh, markets are very large. Um, it's of course where people are doing larger block trades. Um, because again, even on the lent- on the trading side, and especially on the lending side, these are inefficient markets. Uh, large whales can move the market significantly. Uh, so, so often it's OTC desks calling other OTC desks, brokers, uh, market makers, etc. Um, it's getting quite sophisticated, and I think what you're seeing is you're getting um, interesting hybrid desks that uh, not only are holding they're, they're institutional, at least institutional within the scale of of uh, crypto. Um, but they're willing to both hold funds at a BitGo or Coinbase custody. Um, but they're also starting to, to do some self-custody, whether that's with ledgers or fireblocks, because they're going after these on-chain, uh, you know, the, the staking and the yield farming that's happening over in DeFi and the Ethereum ecosystem. What I think that means kind of across the board here is you have these um, quite advanced uh, participants that right now sort of out of necessity are dealing with a lot of technology and a lot of strange uh, operational flows um, uh, within uh, within their desk. And uh, the goal here with uh, Lattice and really Membrane as well was let's take um, the entire OTC flow, uh, which is admittedly clunky and complex at the moment. It often involves like if David and I were going to do a, a, a trade, we would jump on Telegram or Skype usually, uh, coordinate mm-hmm. something, basically have our execution right in there, right? We'd be trying to say, okay, here's going to buy this much Bitcoin at such and such ETH or USDC or whatever. Mm-hmm. We both confirm, which of course means now someone on the back end for accounting and audit needs to take it, needs to scrape that, pull out those execution details, turn that into, <laughs> into actual trade execution details now right. from a chat app. Then we need to send pub- public addresses back and forth to each other. Yep. Um, and, and then we need to usually send test transactions unless we're total cowboys. Um, <laughs> after we do that, we need w- one of us who has a lower balance sheet. I probably have a smaller balance sheet than David. 
I, I would probably have to send him uh, the the uh, my side of the trade, and then I'd be waiting for him to confirm. And I, of course, know David, but a lot of times people don't know uh, part the participants they're trading with all that well. So then they're sitting there hoping that the other side was good for it, and they and they aren't going to uh, have a busted settlement where they don't receive anything back. Right. That whole flow that I talked through, that's that's admittedly pretty horrible from both an operational and a risk pers perspective, not to mention the accounting headaches of trying to move things from a chat into here. All of that is handled seamlessly uh, within the Lattice ecosystem. So whether you're using Lattice or Membrane, that entire process is as simple as drop in the trade or loan details, the other side hits it, and then later when you're ready to settle, you basically click a button and sign and it's all done. And that is why we invested in you and Lattice right there. That is clear cut, the ability to efficiently and programmatically and professionally be able to do those things instead of the way that we have been doing them for the number of years right now is in our opinion something that's going to dynamically change this market and bring it into the 21st century to be quite honest with you um and so very proud of that very happy to see the success and the, obviously what you guys have been putting there We'd love to also spend time on the show talking about milestones, what's out there in the next six months, what's out there in the next 12 months. If you want to give any sense of roadmap, what you know people should be looking for, uh, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So the next big thing that uh, is going to be launching here uh, is Membrane. It's coming very, very, very uh, soon. And, and I think you're going to be seeing a lot about this in Q4. So um, the current plan is we will be sort of doing the beta launch of Membrane, again, this is the self-custody uh, platform if you're using a wallet like a ledger. Um, we'll be doing the beta test, uh, it, sort of, or the beta launch. Uh, we've already been going through the testing. Beta launch will be in uh, October, followed by a broader rollout in November, and then we'll really be scaling it uh, in, in December. Um, essentially, this is going to, again, we're targeting initially the OTC desks, and we have a, a long list of them that will be using this right away at the beginning. The OTC desks that are active in DeFi which then means that they're already using uh, ledgers and, and wallets in order to interact with uh, on-chain. They'll now be able to do to trade and lend uh, through this all day with the counterparties that they would otherwise remove all that operational uh, headache and risk uh, and instead do it directly through our, uh, our clearing platform. One thing that I should note here is with, with the launch of this, uh, I didn't really highlight this, but it really removes that settlement risk. So I mentioned in the, uh, the scenario of David and I doing a trade, uh, where I send to David and I hope that he's good for it and we'll send it back. We actually allow people to sign their transactions, either with their wallet or their custodian asynchronously. And then we synchronize the submission of those transactions out to the blockchain. So in that word, we, in that uh, way, we solve this, what I call the who shoots first problem mm -hmm. of who's going to send the, send the funds first and the other one left hoping that they will have it. Um, Another really interesting thing that will uh, be launching shortly after Membrane um, is is uh, the Brain token. So there's going to be uh, B R A N E will be the ticker for this, um, and this is going to we're, we're sort of pioneering what we call trade mining. So as these different destined individuals are trading and lending through the ecosystem uh, through through the Membrane ecosystem, we will be tracking activity each month, and there'll be an allocation of these tokens. And based on your activity on the platform, you will earn your pro rata share of of those tokens that are budgeted each month. Uh, we'll be tracking this from the beginning. So even before those tokens are out, we will retroactively be crediting those for the first couple of months before those tokens go live. Uh, and the reason that you want this is not just to have a token with a, with a cool name. It's uh, you're able to stake those tokens and then able to earn 
um, a share of the fees that are generated on the platform. Um, so we think that this will be pretty exciting for, for users. It should effectively make it so that this is a uh, net no trading fee uh, system for them. In fact, they probably will be making initially um, because we're going to be quite generous uh, in the early months uh, with, with how these tokens are allocated uh, to users um, and then how the, the staking to earn back fees uh, works. Uh, another really interesting thing that is unlocked at scale with both membrane and lattice, and I didn't highlight on this too much, is the the netting piece uh, of the of the platform. So mm-hmm. I mentioned that this is clearing and, and settlement, but one of the things we're doing is we're adjusting all of these details, turning them into credits and debits um, across uh, both trading and lending, across different pairs in. Uh, so so we net across um, trades and loans, we net across uh, pairs, we net across uh, the different counterparties and their custodians. And you can generally at scale re- uh, receive more than a 99% reduction in the number of actual transactions that have to be pushed on chain uh, versus if, if you were just settling after each OTC trade or loan that you did. And of course, in a high gas environment in Ethereum, mm-hmm. for example, that can lead to a significant reduction in the amount of uh, fees that you're uh, that you're paying to miners on these various blockchains. And just as an FYI, I was testing some applications last week, Ethereum-based, and I needed to try to effectively swap Ethereum for the native token of a particular blockchain-based game. And it was a small amount. I think it was about $4 of tokens for this blockchain-based game so I could buy an avatar, buy a small piece of land. And the gas prices were $111. And so, as Carson alludes to, that is not a very good way to get more entrance into the space. And so, there are times when the Ethereum blockchain can get congested, uh, and those gas fees can be high. And of course, then there are periods of time during the day where congestion lowers, and that can be more attainable. So this is incredibly important because it makes it more usable um, and it makes it more economically sensible uh, for people to do the activities that they want to do in this space. So congratulations on that. That's a massive thing uh, and massively important for people to take into account. Well, the last thing that I think it's important. It is. The last thing that we like to do, Carson, is where can people go? And obviously, you know, I know there's been so much that's been in deployment and in development, but where can people go in the next few weeks um, to find out more about membranes if they want to test it out? Obviously, that's the first rollout. Where are people going to be able to go to find out more? Uh, great question. So um, we're going to be releasing some Medium articles over the next couple of weeks. In fact, they might be live by the time uh, by the time this uh, this podcast goes live, uh, mm-hmm. if not shortly afterwards. Um, uh, I think we will share uh, with David uh, so that he can get out uh, any of the links associated with that. Um, so stay tuned to that. Um, we will also be standing up some other um, sort of community discussion areas. We're finalizing whether that's going to be initially Telegram, Discord, what, um, but there will be some opportunities there as well. Um, and of course, we're going to be sharing more information on the URLs, how to sign up, et cetera, uh, in the near future. Um, I can also share my, my contact details uh, with Dave and anyone uh, that's sort of active on the trading lending side that would like to get uh, shortlisted for the first uh, group of, of uh, user IDs into uh, Membrane. Happy to, uh, happy to get you plugged in there as well. There you go, guys. So not only for listening, are you getting smarter, but you're also getting first access into something that's going to be really, really good to use. Um, So Carson, thank you for coming on today. Congratulations on getting Lattice and Membrane 
out there and deployed uh, in the next few weeks. Again, we're very big supporters of this. We think it's going to be fantastic and people are going to need to use this. And so thank you for coming on, Carson. Hopefully we can have you on maybe in about six months or so to catch up uh, developments and about milestones. And everyone, you know, over the course of the next few weeks, we'll make sure that you learn more about Lattice and be able to test it out. Thanks, Carson. Thanks so much, David. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.